AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Eight minutes after seven. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live and now for the Forum at Eight. As we await a date to be announced for the 2016 local government elections, it is undeniable that campaigning has already begun. The electorate will cast their vote for governing representative on metropolitan, local and district level. The African National Congress is under severe pressure to retain control of some of the hotly contested municipalities from the Democratic Alliance and the EFF especially. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we assess the readiness of political parties ahead of the 2016 local government elections. And joining us for the discussion, Ibrahim Fakir, a manager of governance institutions and processes at the Electoral Institute for the Sustainability of Democracy in Africa, ASA. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Ibrahim. Hi, good morning, Sakir. Good morning to your listeners. We also have with us Professor Susan Boysen, uh, author of Dominance and Decline, uh, the ANC and in the time of Zuma, and also uh, she's professor in the Graduate School of Public and Development Management at Wits University. Thanks for your time as well, Professor Boysen. Good morning, Sakina. Alvis Masucha, a political analyst, also joins us. Good morning, Alvis. Sakina, good morning to you and to your guests and all the listeners. Well, the lines are open, so you're also welcome to call in and join in the discussion, 891 SMS us to the number 34701. Tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Ibrahim, perhaps a worthwhile place to start would be uh, just to remind people about the processes uh, that uh, will be unfolding during these local government elections. Well, we've got about 284 odd municipalities, um, give or take a uh, few, and each one, in a sense, is going to elect, um, like we elect in uh, a parliament or a provincial legislature. The difference, however, is we will have two ballot papers, of course, and some people who live in district councils will have three. And so you will vote, as you do for... Um, uh, for a national and provincial election once for a party. But the significant difference is that you will also vote for an individual in your ward or your constituency. Right? So you're directly electing a person, an individual. And so you have the opportunity to vote for any individual, whether they belong to a party or not. And incidentally, it is only at the local government level at which you can vote for an independent candidate, someone who's standing for election for your ward but does not belong to a party. Now, of course, you can't vote for that person on the, on, on, on the first ballot, which is the PR list, uh, which we count the results proportionally. Uh, you can vote for that individual if they're contesting a seat in that ward, for that ward. So, so that's the that's the significant difference uh, in that there is a pure mixed system between a pure first past the post or winner takes all for the ward for your constituency and then of course also for the PR. So that's the significant difference, and that's why, incidentally, it's it's I find it difficult when people make extrapolations or comparisons uh, by saying, well, this happened in 2014 in a national result, and if we take that. Um, and imprint it on the local level, this is what the likely result would be. Uh, I find that that doesn't always provide a reliable or good or decent indicator of what's likely to happen, and that's so for two reasons. 
first is that the system that we use is entirely different. And also remember, in a local government election, you are testing support proportionally, yes, but in a very small, confined geographic area as opposed to the entire province or the entire country as we do in a normal general election. Firstly. Secondly, the level of voter turnout in a local uh, election is usually low. Uh, so while it was quite high relative to international standards uh, in the last local government elections, which is about 48% voter turnout, that is 48% of all people who are registered to vote, it's, marg it, it's a lot lower. Uh, than it would be for for our provincial and uh, and general election nationally, even though those numbers have been declining, those are around around the eight, 75 to 80 percent mark. So, so I think that's that's in sum the kind of systemic uh, the systemic issues uh, around local government. Of course, the final point I'd make is that they are often local government elections are often about uh, local issues, though one would not think so, given that the tone of the party's campaigns are usually national in character, and they, they kind of bring up national issues. Uh, but usually they're about coalface issues of service delivery on, at the basic level. So it's not about actual education or housing, etc., or setting policy at that level. It's about actual, it's the cold face of actual service delivery. Uh, there are certain things municipalities are exclusively responsible for, but many of them do actually affect the way in which you and I live, the way in which we access jobs, the way in which we access services. So, so it is a vital election, and of course, one hopes that a lot more people will take interest in it. We certainly do. If we look at uh, the 2011 uh, municipal elections, uh, the IEC, uh, Pansi Tlakula at the time announcing that uh, they were uh, looking at a target of 40% voter turnout. But as Ibrahim Fakir points out, uh, we actually fared much better uh, at 57.6%, which was uh, a good turnout. But perhaps also useful at this time is to run through uh, the support that the various parties garnered uh, during that 2011 local government election. The ANC, uh, they um, won 62% uh, of the vote. Uh, the DA, 23.9%. IFP came in with 3. 0.6 percent, uh, COPE 2.1 percent, NFP 2.4 percent, and then um, you had uh, the UDM 0.6 percent. Independence came in at 1.1 percent. Uh, PAC, ACDP, Freedom Front Plus, APC, UCDP, Azapo, and others they came in below 1 percent, and um, you know that made up the number of parties that actually contested uh, the local government elections in 2011. But uh, as Ibrahim was saying. Uh, uh, Dr. Boisen, uh, Professor Boysen, this should be, the local government election should be about uh, issues affecting people at the coalface, at grassroots level. So what do you think will be some of the main issues that people will bring up during the 2016 elections? Yes, Akina. For me, one of the most fascinating aspects of local government elections is their dual character. And not just in terms of both PR and ward council voting, but the fact that it's both a national campaign and a local campaign. All of the political parties, the major parties, and here we're talking about the big three, ANC, DA, and EFS, they already have their big national campaigns. And they try to frame the national issues through those campaigns. So it is definitely so many other local issues, and not just what's water, sewage, electricity, streetlights, roads. 
toilets have been delivered at the local level, but it is also how the parties frame, and here it's especially the governing party, the ANC in the bulk of the places, frames the achievements and the, the deficits to date, and how they, well, how they find the reasons, what reasons they find for it. It is racist issues, whether it is the colonial legacies, whether it is the constitutional dispensation negotiated for 1994, which the end we saw that in the president's speech on Saturday, that restrained the ANC in doing more. That is how the ANC is positioning its local campaign. But then they try to, and they're working against such odds at the local level. Because, as the president also said, corruption and all those related issues are big problems. At the local level, those are so visible. And that is where candidate selections are going to be important. And that is why the ANC's national message on how they explain those deficits and whether they think there is a minister in charge who will be able to make that definitive difference, give the leadership to pull local governments out of cauldrons of problems, how they, how convincing, how persuasive they will get that message across. So it's a dual character, and there are huge challenges waiting here for all three of the main parties. And what about the independents? How important will they be in these elections, do you think, Elvis? Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Yeah, you know, an inherent shortfall in relation to independent candidates is that they lack necessary political machinery because political machinery enables a political party to can fund its programs, a political party to can reach its constituency on a massive scale. But on the part of individual candidates, the shortfall is always that in terms of resources, how do you recruit resources within your campaigns, even how do you reach, you know, places that are far away from where you are staying. So that is a challenge. But again, you know, Sakina, we need to understand something in a broader sense in relation to electoral politics. You know, during elections, the most important thing for parties and among parties is retention and accumulation. Retention in a sense that are you able to can retain the work that you won in 2011? Are you able to can retain the municipality, local or district municipality that you won in 2011? And again, on the aspect of accumulation, are you even able to can enter into territories that were controlled by different political parties? So these are the two dimensional principles that affect you know, elections all over the world, retention and accumulation. So retention and accumulation, speaking of which, Ibrahim Fakir, um, if we look at uh, the 2011 uh, local government elections and uh, the city of Johannesburg in particular, where the ANC managed 59.3% of the vote, the DA coming in at 34.4%, the EFF did not exist at that that time. And uh, looking at this year's election, and uh, people are expecting the EFF to uh, basically put in a strong showing Uh, given what we saw in the 2014 uh, general elections. What's your take on that? Yeah, of course, the EFF didn't exist. Um, Projections that people are attempting to make is to take the results for 2014, isolate them to the voting patterns for Johannesburg, and say this is likely what the EFF would would get. And, 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 of course, if you take the entire Gauteng province in Johannesburg in particular, 
uh, there's projections which seem to suggest that if there's about a 12% swing away from the ANC, they could lose outright control of the city of Johannesburg. Now, uh, you know, it's not just Johannesburg that this kind of analysis has been subjected to. Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, Tuane, uh, two in particular, and City of Johannesburg three in particular, which 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 projections seem to suggest the ANC could be at risk of losing. Uh, I think it's going to be fairly unlikely, and and I think so for 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 several different reasons. The first is this: if you think about uh, the way in which an election year is usually begun, it's characterised by salvos which are fired amongst the different parties. That's not to say there haven't been salvos fired. There have been. But certainly that doesn't appear yet to be the kind of hype that happens in an election year. Granted, it's early days, uh, but usually, you know, by, by, by the close of the previous year, before an election, you get a flavor of the sense of the trajectory of where parties are going with their campaign, what kind of things they're going to bring up, what they're going to talk about. I don't think we have that sense yet, and I think it serves the ANC's interest, in a way, to dampen the kind of campaign rhetoric that, that they usually engage in coming into an election year. And one very good reason for that is, is, is the turnout. Now, I think they're trying to fathom whether a greater or a lesser turnout will benefit them. And I think the mistake they're making is because of the nature of the local government elections, and you trotted out of a, a set of numbers earlier on, which were, which were useful in giving us an overall picture of where the party support pattern lines. The distinct difference with local government is that what will matter is not the overall aggregate support that parties got in terms of percentage. It's what's the kind of support they got in that specific geographic area. Because what matters at local government is whether you win that local municipality with a sufficient majority to be able to govern. And then you collect all those together and see how many you've got. Now, if you take that, if you take the, the number at the moment, the vast majority are controlled by the ANC. If you isolate them to those metros which, 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 which is, has been projected is at risk for the ANC to lose, the second reason, I think, quite apart from the dampened campaign, uh, and it might pick up later on, uh, is that the numbers, the voter turnout is much lower. So you're comparing 2014 figures, particularly for a city like Johannesburg, for a party which didn't participate previously in the local government election, and projecting what happened or what that party's performance was based on a much higher level of turnout. Now, of course, they might get their voters out, and, and so might other parties. So you might have a spike in voter turnout in, in, in specific regions, in certain cities, in certain metropolitan areas. Uh, one doesn't know. I mean, I'm not a Sangoma. I wish I could foretell, but I can't. But I do think that they will perform reasonably well for what is an emergent or new party. It won't be that new come when the election comes. But I don't think that they concentrated ability, the ability to, to, to garner support in that focused, concentrated manner in those specific geographic areas is going to be so high that it will ensure such a large swing. Potentially, they might look at alliances and coalitions. And alliances, of course, uh, will, be, will be more difficult because they'll need to get into uh, pacts with parties before an election. Post-election coalitions may be, may be easier for, for, for different parties to craft if they want to keep the EFF out, particularly in Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, city of Johannesburg, city of Tuane. Of 
course, but that depends on whether they can, they can before an election, you know, issues like how much support did you get and therefore what amount of seats are you justifiably entitled to, which portfolios would you get. It's much harder to craft agreements uh, between parties before an election. You don't have an objective basis on which to negotiate. It's a little easier once you do so after an election because then you know what amount of tested support you've got. You've got a basis on which to go to negotiate the amount of seats you get, particularly in the PR portion what kind of portfolios you would hold uh, at the local level, but importantly, depends on whether then you can agree on what kind of governance trajectory should be, should, should be looking like once you go forward. One of the issues which are going to emerge, and I think which will characterize the campaign and has from, from late last year, is the amount of municipalities that will be available. Demarcation board, which is the place which demarcates uh, how many municipalities there are and what the borders are, have made certain determinations which some of the opposition parties are contesting because what they say is that the ANC has pushed the demarcation board to ensure certain demarcations, for example, in Fuleni and Midval in, in Gauteng, which is one of the only municipalities at the moment which is not controlled by the ANC, out, I mean controlled by the DA outside the Western Cape, and so, is that they've now lumped those two and stepped the number of voters to the advantage of the of the ANC, which, which which effectively means that one of the municipalities controlled by an opposition party now would fall outside the control of that opposition party. So, this kind of systemic changes are also going to stimulate and and form part of the campaign. Fourthly, one of the things which characterise this this period is is somewhat what I would like to call a little bit of absurdity in the way in which the parties are relating to each other. So, recently, apparently. The DA put up a poster, uh, fairly legitimately in my view, saying that the number of jobs under Jacob Zuma uh, had decreased rather than increased. So there's been lots of job losses. And the ANC simply turned around and said, but you can't say that it's racist. Now, of course, it's contestable. Of course, it's part of campaign speech. Uh, of course, it's part of the, of the cobble that happens uh, among the different political parties in a campaign. But to simply turn around in the current context in which we are, to simply blend it racist is to, is, to, is to dampen the way in which the contestation and the electoral contest is going to play itself out. So I think what, what that might serve to do is to try, is, 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 is to suggest to people, oh, it's, this is just sort of nitpicky politicking and, and, and it, might, it might stimulate people to stay away. On the other hand, people might think, ooh, the emotive issue, the divisive issue of race might, might, might pique people's interest might make people turn out, but it doesn't really have very good long-term prospects for the way in which you dampen polarization, division, uh, and, and enmity in the society mm. overall. But speaking about polarization and emotive issues um, in uh, Johannesburg particularly, do you think uh, the Etoll saga would be big in this election? Well, I, you know, it, it's, it will be made an election issue. Uh, one would hope it wouldn't because it's, it's silly. I mean, it's not, it's not purely just in the ambit of the city of Johannesburg that decisions around Etos lie. Um, it's, it, it, it lies elsewhere. It's not a competence of, of, of local government. And that's and one important issue that you bring up, Sakira, because people and parties often bring up issues in a local government election campaign, as Prof. Boyson is saying, uh, there's sometimes a dual character to the way in which it plays out. 
uh, it's sometimes irrelevant because your record of what you could have done elsewhere in another sphere of government isn't necessarily that important as it would be in a local government issue. So it might be made an issue, uh, but it's been misplaced. And then looking at Nelson Mandela Bay, Professor Poison, um, this is the metro in which the DA fared best um, in uh, 2011. And um, the ANC there were very close to that 50% threshold, um, coming in at 52.1%. And if you look at uh, what the DA has done, you know, uh, sending Ethel Trollope there to show up issues well ahead of 2016, how do you think this one is going to play out? Really, all the political parties are throwing everything into the mix. And they're really high-level campaigns unfolding, not just there, but around the country. I've been note-watching that for about two months now. Nelson Mandela Bay is it's a very, it's a, like the other metros, it is a very difficult one to call. The ANC has, it's a big crucible for the ANC because it's, Along with this metro and the others, it stands uh, runs the risk of becoming more and more of a rural party. We saw those trends unfolding, and it is very useful to extrapolate national trends from local government elections as well, even if it is at the end of the day who wins in a particular municipality and where independence can really hold its sway in small municipalities. But for ANC, this big issue, and this relates to Nelson Mandela Bay, is to show that it is not becoming a rural party. It does not want to govern the country but not the cities. That, it would be traumatic for the ANC, and that is one of the big challenges it faces here. You know, the Danny Yordan, Ethel Trollops that go, who go in there, they, they run campaigns, again, on national tickets there, where bring in the local issues. We see service delivery in many places is atrocious. And there are so many factions fighting for control within the ANC of the city. We could very well see at the end of the day that uh, some form of coalition government has to come out there. But then if we see a trend coming out there, like we have seen in Gauteng, we saw a serious decline in the national and local elections, extrapolated, it has in- incredible importance for the local government where it could we have seen in recent polls not highly publicized polls but good credible opinion polls that the ANC in Gauteng is roughly resurrecting itself at least above serious collapse levels and that could find reflection in this metropolitan and also Okay, Professor Boysen, that line um, deteriorating there, we'll try and fix that during the news break. And uh, this morning we are looking at parties' preparedness for the local government elections uh, for 2016 in conversation with Ibrahim Fakir, Professor Susan Boysen and Elvis Masuka. And we're going to go to news break. When we come back, we'll open the lines and take your calls. 105, the home of SAFM in Peter Maritzburg. Peter Maritzburg. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. 
Thank you for staying with us on the Forum at 8 this morning. We assess the readiness of political parties ahead of the 2016 local government elections. And uh, we have with us Ibrahim Fakir, Professor Susan Boysen and Alvis Masuha. The lines are open 0891-104-208. Looked at Johannesburg, looked at Nelson Mandela Bay briefly, uh, and there are others. But I just want to touch on this uh, very briefly before we uh, take the callers, um, Elvis. If you look at the uh, other parties, apart from the ANC, DA, IFP, COPE and the NFP, Combined, they only manage 2% of the vote. So what do you think is going to happen to many of these, um, the PAC, ACDP, um, also put in there, the APC, then you have Azapo, the UCDP, Freedom Front Plus. What's, what do you think will happen to these smaller parties during this election? I understand in terms of you know, multi-party democracy, we need to inspire each and every political party to participate in our electoral democracy. But at the same time, there are some political parties that do not add any significance or essence, uh, you know, to the nature of our constitutional democracy. For example, some political parties have been participating in our elections since 1994, but they can even struggle to get 0.2% of the national vote. I don't want to mention names, but such political parties, in as far as I'm concerned, I think they don't add any any substance, you know, to the future of our electoral democracy. But again, we need to understand something in relation to these forthcoming local government elections. Many people, I think wrongly so, anticipate a contestation between the ruling party, the ANC, and the Democratic Alliance and the EFF. In as far as I'm concerned, I don't foresee any major contestation between the ANC and the DA or between the ANC and the EFF. The very fierce contestation that I'm expecting, it will be between the EFF and the DA because the democratic alliance that used to be led by Helen Seale is no longer the same democratic alliance led by the current leader, Musi Maimani. Because remember, uh, one of, you know, the, 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 the vicious about Helen Seale and in relation to her political success, was based on the fact that she was, you know, consolidating opposition politics. She was consolidating opposition parties. She was, she was you know, pursuing a strategy that rallied all opposition parties around the Democratic Alliance. But when she stepped down in May uh, last year, we have seen a new leader, Musi Maimani, abandoning that strategy because... Uh, Helen Zill succeeded in turning DA into a political python that swallowed up smaller opposing parties and to her advantage. But the new leader, Musi Maimani, you know, has distanced himself from, from opposition parties. She's no longer, he's no longer pursuing that strategy that worked wonders for Helen Zill. And my fear is that even the EFF has made territories into constituencies that used to be controlled by the Democratic Alliance under Helen Zilli because the new leader, you know, is not as charismatic as the former leader. So that's what I'm expecting, a very fierce contestation between the ESS and the DA rather than expecting a serious contestation between the ANC and opposition parties. To a large extent, we need to agree. The ESS has neutralized the DA more than it did to the ANC. Well, do you agree with that? 891 uh, Lisiba and good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to Elvis Masora, Ibrahim Zaki, and Susan Poison, and NSAFM listeners as well. Welcome, Lisiba. Yes, you see, Sakina, apart from the hatred 
to President Zuma himself and the African National Congress, but the white analysts and the media in general. We must be objective in trying to analyze these coming elections and how do we expect the people of this country to vote. Because seriously, to expect uh, Professor Susan there to analyze the ANC as it is now, it will be unfair because the ANC were talking of the liberation movement, which white people, as they see it, uh, as responsible for, for their brigadiers, the brigadiers that are finding themselves in, because by each nature is a liberation movement. It tried to redress the unbalance of the past, which was in the favor of the white people. That's true. To expect the white people to support the ANC will be very naive, and the ANC knows very well. That's why it always comes up with the policy that will be biased to the poor and the black in majority. So to, to, to even check the previous national election, provincial national elections will not give the correct uh, scenario of what is going to happen in the next election. Uh, Elvis is spot on. The DA under Musimaiman is no longer the same with the DA under Helen Zile. The ANC under President Zuma is gradually changing. The people who left the ANC and vote for the EFF and vote for DA. It was a simple protest against how the ANC handled Uganda issue and how the ANC handled the issue of details in the major cities, including Gauteng province. So as we are now preparing this for elections, people are beginning to come back and say they see a new hope, they see a new life under President Ramaphosa, whom we widely expect him to take over. Even the middle class, the people who are educated, they were just sitting back in the major cities that were referred to Nelson Mandela Bay, you are Johannesburg, you are Ekurulene and Swane. Now they are preparing themselves to come back in the AC and vote with their liberation movement that has been voting for, but under the new leadership of Colonel Ramaphosa. They are preparing for that. We are on the ground, we are making research, we are talking to people, to the different people. That's what they are saying. They so, will the ANC fare better or worse in this election than it did in 2011? The AC? Yes. Yes, that was the worst, uh, the worst result under recently. Of course, not because even during Nelson Mandela, we did not reach the 60 mark percent. But then the trend that we're beginning to show, the AC was growing elections after elections. But because of the challenges that we had, and these challenges are not the fundamental policy challenges, but just issues that emerge. I'm referring to you in Canada, the whole handle is. It makes many people very angry. The insult, the way ANC handled it, it makes many people to be very angry. That is why people, they did not vote the EFF. If you can even refer, people do not wait to vote for the EF because they believe in the politics of the EF. EFF is a party of, of radicals, is a party that is prepared for land grabbing, nationalization of mines, taking over the institution, and eventually collapsing the economy. People okay. Got you there, Lisiba in Khobokwane, working very hard for the African National Congress on the ground, he says. Give to Nelson Mandela Bay, good morning. Morning, Sagan, and morning to your guest. Look, I, I think, first and foremost, voter turnout in elections, Sagan, in particular, declined, does not only affect South Africa, but most metropolitan cities around the world. Secondly, you'll find that the New York local government elections in 2013, voter turnout was around 55%. And this just just came on the heels of another major mayoral election earlier in that same year in Los Angeles, where in that election a mere 21% of registered voters show up at the polls. And secondly, 
I think one one advantage to the ANC is the fact that its candidate selection process is more democratic and open than most political parties in particular day because it gives opportunity to communities through open public meetings. And thirdly, just just that is an impediment to the day because when you do an analysis, most of its ward candidates, because they are interviewed through its federal processes, its candidates are people who don't reside in those particular wards, and most communities reject that. The, the, the other issue that I think your guests have to look at is the issue of allocation of PR seats in local, local government election. Because I'm of the view that the current system of calculating PR seats should remain in terms of the allocation of seats according to the sum or to the number of votes received. Secondly, PR, PR system should be amended with regards to the allocation of remainder seats so that only parties that already won seats through meeting the quota of votes required for at least one seat are entitled to get a seat based on the remainder of the votes. Because it, more, it makes more sense to address the remainder voter allocation and perhaps introduce amendments that only give additional seats to parties that had enough votes to win one seat outright. Because to me, this will remove the numerous very small parties that sometimes control a municipality by having the largest remainder without having enough support to get one councillor. And, and I think that has happened in, in particular in Nelson Mandela Bay in 2011, where we'll find PAC, ACTP, UDM getting seats whilst they have received less than 1%. And I think the other issue that I want to raise quickly, because Nelson Mandela is always coming to the picture, I think the ANC in particular in this metro is, is ready and we're on the ground as we speak, because the, the deployment of Danny Jordan was very strategic, and that, and that move on its own caught the day of guard. Okay, that's a gift to Nelson Mandela by Kolani Nimtata. Sakina, I think whilst it is good to be to have the options to start your own political parties, some of these new political parties, with the exception of uh, the EFF, I don't support it anyway. They are a confusion, uh, adding uh, confusion to to society. Because if people get out and then start uh, political parties because they are just disgruntled, then they are just trying to reduce numbers but still keep the bigger parties uh, having the, the bigger share. I'll use one area which I believe in. The Christian political parties, for example. There's about o- almost 17 in South Africa at hand. Every one of those political parties claim that God said, I must open this political party. And then those churches are competing amongst one another, but they still believe in one God. For me, Christian political parties are just a confusion, and they are making people not to be in the right place. Instead, they're supposed to go into all the other parties, the people there, to go and support so that we can have strong opposition in South Africa, no matter in what form it comes. Thank you, Kolani. Uh, Tabi says in Pulukwane, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, Sakina, there are various points, and I must say that uh, the, the previous callers have been able to say, particularly on the issue of the Nelson Mandela, because uh, the ANC there uh, made sure that uh, when you prepare for elections in a municipality, that uh, when you do your own self-assessment, 
we realize that uh, you have struggled in the previous election, you might not necessarily do well, make sure that you change the order of the day there. And I mean, I'm convinced that uh, uh, the people of Nelson Mandela will then reward the ANC again and make sure that they vote for the, for the ANC there. Because uh, it, it, it has shown that it can be able to deal with the issues. And I think one other thing is that, you see, the local government elections is very different to the uh, uh, national and provincial elections because you would remember that each, each, every political party should uh, field a candidate in each and every ward. And you remember very well that, you know, we've been going to various by-elections and the ANC has shown in those by-elections that... Uh, they can be able to be trusted and, and take over. And I, I know very well that uh, parties like EFF have not contested any by-elections. I think that's fair, because uh, the only elections that I know that they've contested, apart from your national and provincial are SRC elections. Maybe they thought they would uh, uh, garner their, their support and votes there. I think, lastly, Sakina, if you, uh, if you look in all of that, uh, and I agree with those that say that, if you check the process of selections of the ANC, the ANC is saying to the people, particularly the communities, that uh, we're bringing candidates there as they are, would have selected with our own criteria, but the communities, before you vote, uh, interrogate these people, uh, be happy, and say these are the ones that you need. And that's the only organization, if you check, that says to the people, this is what we want. And it was tried in 2011, I think when you, when you try something at, 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 in the beginning, it's quite very difficult. But I know very well that uh, from, the, from 2011 up until now, the ANCE has been able to learn various lessons, particularly on the system that they started to implement in 2011. And one is convinced, in, even in those red flag areas that include Yotwani and Johannesburg, uh, you can see that both the mayors there and the councils there have done their best. I mean, if you can check Swan and Johannesburg, you'd realize that those mayors have done their best to make sure that uh, come elections, uh, the, the people then entrust the ANC with the responsibilities that they've been given over okay. time. Thank you so much, Tabi. So uh, going to Sedgefield now. Hi, Mike. Uh, Fakina, I just want to say one thing very briefly. Nobody but nobody is saying just what damage the insertion of national politics into local government has done. Um, Before this happened, I was a member of Sedgefield Council. I was the last mayor, and we focused on issues that were community-based. Now what we have is councillors fighting one another for party political ends, and it has done enormous damage. I will listen on the radio. Thank you so much, Mike. Unison Joburg. Again, I'd like your guests to answer one question. In my opinion, whichever ruling, whichever party is ruling has got an unfair advantage in terms of, for example, traditional leaders. Now, you have a situation in the free state where the premier has donated six new Mercedes-Benzes to traditional leaders. Obviously, their subjects are going to be voting for that particular party. And we had a similar scenario in Pumalanga where 60 Mercedes-Benzes were given to traditional leaders. And obviously, the same scenario applies. So whichever party is in power will have that unfair advantage. And I'd like your guests to answer that question. Thank you so much, Eunice. Uh, Ibrahim Fakir, let's start with you. Um, uh, Starting with Eunice's question, um, you know, the advantages of incumbency. Yeah, of course, there's plenty. uh, And there are plenty of advantages to incumbency, not just in terms of of what happens when you try to buy out traditional leaders, which has been happening for a long time. And it does appear as if the ANC, on on many different issues, um, and we can cite the evidence here, have pandered to the interests of of traditional leaders, either 
about giving them more power or wanting to give them more power, more influence. Um, but, of course, that didn't work in the case of King Dalit Yebo, um, now deposed, of course. But, but, but certainly that has been in evidence. But uh, the sins of incumbency are not simply uh, about the way in which you buy one or other constituency. They are also about access to state resources, about using the state machinery in parts of your campaign in subtle ways, in some ways even in overt ways. Uh, sometimes it's even used to intimidate or to stop other parties from, from campaigning, from blocking access to venues, from not allowing them to, 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 to take out a campaign. So, you know, it's not as strenuous as no-go areas, but there are subtle forms in the way in which you can you can exclude uh, your contesting parties or, or those who are uh, uh, opposing you. So, of course, they, it happens, and I think those are well known. Um, you know, of course, we, on the other extreme, make, sometimes make too much of it, saying, look, you know, they're handing out food parcels, they've been doing so, and this and that. Um, I mean, I don't think, and there's been a study conducted at the University of Johannesburg, which, which, which appears to suggest that voters aren't always swayed by these small handouts, but there's no doubt that the issue of incumbency does advantage governing parties, particularly um, a national governing party, because they've got much more access, much more control, much more influence in the way in which resources and, and campaigns unfold. Second interesting thing, most of your callers appear to be calling on the behest of one or other, part, or, or other political party. Let's mm-hmm. just put two facts to rest. The one is that the trusted selection process of the ANC, sure, it is quite comprehensive, it tests its branches and its people, but the ANC consistently, every few years, has this debate between imposed candidates and selected candidates. Uh, and of course, the accusation under Tavo Becky was that there were too many candidates, particularly mayoral candidates in some of the important places, uh, not just the metros, People felt that those people were, were imposed on them, so they changed it. Now there's a subtle, and even in the la- after the last local government elections, President Zuma had to go out and placate some of their own members internally because uh, there were perceptions that some of the selected leaders were imposed rather than genuinely um, consulted and, 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 and canvassed. So I suspect the same kind of issue is going to is going to emerge again, and it has, in fact, funny enough, emerged already, in that there was a debate between how do we go about appropriately selecting? You know, should we have people who are capable and are going to be able to execute and manage and administer, or do we want someone who's popular? Because the reality is, you could have someone who's extremely capable, but they might not be popular, and because they're not popular, they don't win you the election. So it's, it's, it's a difficult choice. But to say that one party's much selection process is way superior than another's, well, we don't know. The, on average, four or 500 protests in local communities against uh, selected councillors, so to speak, uh, is more than enough evidence to suggest the levels of trust, the levels of confidence, um, in many of the leaders, particularly at local government, is an indicator that actually all is not well. Lastly, look at the record uh, of, 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 of the performance uh, of, of government in most municipalities, and you would find that it's pretty uneven. Uh, in some cases, it's fundamentally woeful. Some of the worst levels of corruption actually happen uh, at local government level. Some of the most unethical behavior 
uh, of elected representatives happens at local government level, and that's adding to the decline of trust and confidence uh, in government overall, but in political parties especially. So, so there are many difficult issues, but to simply suggest that one party's uh, processes are way superior than, 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 than another's, um, of course, it's, it's not borne out by the facts as they are on the ground. Lastly, a final point I will make on this particular issue is that in the last local government elections in 2011, especially in the metropolitan areas, there's already been a shift and evidence of this shift. Although it is quite subtle and it's quite small, but there has been a shift away from party support patterns concentrated towards the ANC. So, for example, we did a study in core African uh, areas, in townships, in, in metropolitan areas. And there's been, on an average, between 2.5 and 3% shift towards the DA. Now, if this shift in this swing seems to happen to a greater extent, not just to one of the main opposition parties, but to a proliferation of opposition parties, it does mean that it becomes easier for them to be able to cobble coalitions uh, against the ANC to keep the ANC out of power. And this won't just be, as one of your callers said, because the highest remainder method appears to give power to parties who should not belong there. But the case of whether you control a municipality or not, that won't matter. Because what it simply means is if you detract the, from the ANC, irrespective of who the support goes to, unless the ANC can actually get one or other of those parties on board, it might be difficult for them to be able to maintain control. Lastly, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination suggesting that they will lose, that the current ANC would lose many municipalities. Uh, I think they still control the vast majority of them, uh, even in the metros. However, there is certainly evidence of a pattern of decline in the proportion of support that the ANC gets across the board, whether it's a national government election, whether it's a provincial election, or whether it's a local government election. And there are instances of three successive elections in which this decline has been in evidence already, right, right, stretching right back to 2009. So 2009, 2011 local government elections, 2014 national elections again, uh, a pattern of decline for, of, of proportional support overall for the ANC. So I don't think all is very well, uh, and the rhetoric of the callers who will call in naturally to support the political party somehow seems a little bit displaced. And then, um, uh, Professor Boysen, uh, looking at uh, what Olani was saying about the smaller parties and the fact that they simply, um, uh, you know, add confusion to the issue. Yes, indeed. That's such an important question. And it's really a burning point in local government elections. That is the place where smaller parties can make a little impact and have big control by winning one or two seats. There are many, many small councils around the country where one or two seats can actually give a controlling influence and bigger ones where it's really power is in a battle in a balance like Nelson Mandela Bay. And it's really a thorn in the flesh of the ANC in particular that the remainder of the vote can go to little parties like that, which gives them really disproportionate influence. But that is also the name of the game of coalition building, and that makes local government elections so special. Small parties one of those variable factors that can give different results and can help make bigger, bigger parties more accountable. The local dynamics 
politics are so visible. And in many places, people will go and vote. They will feel freer to deviate from the national type of vote in local government elections. And that tends to give that little bit of variation in those local settings. That is where the transgressions and the misbehaviors and mismanagement of local politicians and bureaucrats who are not held to account become so visible. And that is where the local dynamics try to penetrate the big national narratives. That, as one of your callers said very appropriately, has done a lot of damage to local politics. It takes a local flavor out of it, Mm. but that is the nature of local elections, that we get a lot of the national messages and that the ANC, DA, EFF try to control those local dynamics through the big national messages. Elvis Masuka? You know, lastly, Sakina, I think it doesn't constitute, you know, a reasonable thinking to suggest that, you know, service delivery must be suspended during elections because that kind of thinking can generate, you know, a a pandemonium within the country. I don't think even citizens will agree that let's suspend service delivery because it's elections, because people who are complaining about uh, political incumbency are forgetting the fact that it's omnipresent. It does not only exist in South Africa, all over the world, on the African continent and other continents, you'll find a situation whereby a political party that governs government has got an advantage in terms of dispensing, you know, service delivery even during elections. Maybe it must be an inspiration for other political parties to contest elections to win, not to contest for the sake of electoral participation, but they must contest so that they can enjoy uh, this aspect we refer to as political incumbents. Well, and we look forward uh, to the local government elections uh, this year, and no doubt uh, there will be some very interesting debates preceding that. But thanks to our guest this morning, Ibrahim Fakir, Manager of Governance Institutions and Processes at the Electoral Institute for the Sustainability of Democracy in Africa, also political analyst Elvis Masucha, and Professor Susan Boysens, um, a professor in the Graduate School of Public and Development Management at Wits University, and to you and the production team of course